the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Greg Wyshynski. ESPN. Welcome to ESPN on Ice, the podcast where ESPN covers hockey. Alongside me, as always, Emily Kaplan of ESPN. Greg, I'm so excited. Firstly, we should tell listeners that we are sitting about three feet from each other in True. Bristol, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. The chemistry will be palpable. <laughs> we are super excited about this podcast, and I hope you guys are too. Snowy Bristol. As it should be. As it should be. As I've always imagined it to be. When I when we first got these jobs with ESPN, I always thought we'd come here and it would be like walking into a snow globe. You know that every single time I've come to ESPN, I think this is my fourth time on campus, it's been precipitating. Mm. There's been rain or snow and I'm just bad luck. So <laughs> there's not I thought there would be rainbows and people playing right. frisbee like it's a college campus. Or conversely, we're in Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all of the uh, Hockey Today uh, folks who have uh, been transferred over to this new cavalcade of fun, this podcast that we're going to be doing uh, every week. It's going to drop on Tuesdays. It's going to be uh, a podcast I think you like. We're going to have guests of uh, of some renown. We'll have guests that you may not know all that well, but they're all going to be talking hockey and uh, and talking about the news of the week and some weird stories and the usual uh, quirky nonsense that you come to expect. So uh, welcome aboard. And uh, I guess we should probably start with the topic of the week, as it were, the Golden Globes. What was your biggest snub? <laughs> I cannot believe. Well, firstly, I haven't gotten out of the go, get out uh, category snub. I, I just, you know, it's a comedy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Do you want to talk about hockey though? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Calgary Flames. No. <laughs> Eric Carlson is the topic of the week, and uh, it's kind of funny how these things like blow up, right? Like it starts with Drew Doughty talking about how he wants maximum value in his contract when he's a free agent in summer 2019. And then someone goes and asks Eric Carlson, Hey buddy, what'd you think of Drew Doughty mentioning you and saying he wants maximum value? And Eric Carlson's like, I'm glad he did. I want maximum value too. No home downtown discount for me. And then we really start getting the snowball rolling down the hill where now all of a sudden it's like a giant discussion about whether or not the Senator should trade him. And on top of that, News that the senators have come to him and everybody else with a no move clause and, and or no trade clause and been like, hey, let's say that there was a trade of some sort. Like, who would be the ten teams we can send you to? So now the whole thing has become when are the senators trading Eric Carlson? Which is never, by the way. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's two conditions in which they might. I think that you know uh, if the if Carlson straight up says I don't want to be here in Ottawa anymore. Right. I think they trade him, which, of course, he'll never He's say. He's such a stand-up guy, and I think he likes the community and believes in them. And, hey, by the way, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Like, they're not that bad of a team. Yeah, and on top of that, it's also the thing where, like, even if they are a bad team, like, the boomerang effect of teams rebuilding in this league now is super fast. Look at the Devils. Like, the Devils were supposed to be mired in a trash heap for, like, several years, and now all of a sudden they're they're could be a playoff team. So for like, those keeping track at home, this is only Greg's first and only <laughs> Devils uh, reference for the rest of the podcast. He's not a Devils fan and he's not from New Jersey. I'm trying to say that if you have all-star caliber players like Taylor Hall and Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Will but I'm just saying that you can rebuild really quickly. So I, I, the idea that like, you know, Carlson is going to be aged out by the time the Senators are good again, I don't buy that. Um, and, and I think the other condition in which you might consider trading him is if like, listen, I have no insight into the finances of, of Eugene Melnick other than I know they're probably losing money. And they need a new arena that's a little more convenient for their fans to get to. Yeah, one that's not in like the the Yukon as, as this or one Bristol, currently is. Or Bristol as you would. <laughs> 
So, so I think under those, if, if he can't afford the ticket for him, then that would make sense that you'd trade him. Or if, if Carlson's just like, you know, I've had enough, it's time for me to move on, then, then you trade him then. Sure. I want to get to something that you mentioned off the top of this topic, which is a story snowballing. And I think it was so inevitable because it was so rare for hockey. I used to cover football, <laughs> and this is going to be my one of only two references I ever make to the National Football League, but... Players talk about this stuff all the time, their contract status, maybe like coercing or talking to other players about what's going to happen. In hockey, since I've covered it, I've noticed this weird quirk where literally hockey players don't use the pronoun I. They say we or you. It's so weird for anyone who's ever studied the English language or human behavior. And so for a hockey player like Drew Doughty and now Eric Carlson to start talking about themselves, Mm -hmm. it's so unnatural that, of course, this is going to snowball. Not only that, but like talking about themselves vis-a-vis finances and and vis-a-vis a contract and worth. And what they're like. And individuality and self-worth. You know what, Eric? You're worth something. All taboo. All taboo. No, that's exactly right. And, And I think that, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's one of the reasons why hockey is where it is. It's like, you know, in the NBA, you can make, you could have an entire news cycle where you're talking about guys and their contracts and what team they may all congregate on sure. after the season. And in hockey, it's you like... You hear about LeBron's new house, by the way. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, then, and then in hockey, it's, it's like a guy talking about his contract, not even this summer, not even like it's due. It's like two years from now becomes this giant, you know, controversy. It's pretty much him admitting to like having 17 pet frogs that he carries with him everywhere. Which would be amazing. Yeah. Well, Eric Carlson, if you have that, you can come forward and talk to us about yeah. it. We I, will have you on the pod. I raised these from tadpoles and now they're all my friends. Yes. All from Sweden in the pond. <laughs> they all have beautiful flowing hair. Yeah. Um, so the, we both think he's not. Wait, do, hold on. Let's, re- let's reframe this. Do we both think he's not moving or do we both think that they shouldn't move him? I think they shouldn't move him. Absolutely. I think if you have a generational transcendent talent like Eric Carlson, you do everything you can to build around him. And if there's even an inkling that he'll stay, you don't move him. Mm. If that if they lose that inkling, which I don't think at this point it hasn't become that contentious, then he moves. But I think that's just too many conditions. I think he has to stay and should stay. I love that. That's very veering close to Ben Affleck's Batman and uh, Batman. You telling me I'm like Ben Affleck right now? Where he says, if there's even a one (laughs) percent chance that we have to get us an absolute certainty that we have to trade him. I think the thing for me is, like you, I see I, even this idea that he's somehow diminished because of the injury. And he's having not a very good season. But as I said when I wrote the awards piece recently, like a not good season for Eric Carlson is still a better season than 95% of the defensemen in the league. And you look at his performance vis-a-vis the other trash heap on that team on the blue line, then you, he's doing quite well. Um, so to me, he's still a generational talent. He's still an elite player. He's the, the solution to a problem that it is a problem that you'll create if you do not bring him back or try to trade him. And again, at the at the end of the day, like this notion that that he is somehow going to bring back a windfall of players that will fill every need you possibly have and and put you on the road to a Stanley Cup. Have have you seen sports? Have you seen how many times the foundational generational player that's traded brings a return back or that does it? I think it's maybe happened twice. Herschel Walker trade. And uh, Eric Lindros trade. And both of those trades happened decades ago. And you look at the return from Matt Duchesne, you think of what happens in a capped league. Good good luck getting that return back for anybody, and by- especially a guy who might walk. Right. And by the way, this is a team, I'm glad you mentioned Matt Duchesne, that did make a kind of splashy trade, <laughs> getting rid of the venerable Kyle Turris. And uh, Matt Duchesne, uh, two goals, two assists in his first 14 games and like a minus 11, which... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't sound good to me. It could obviously work out, but I'm just saying splashy trades in the NHL. That was one of the splashiest we've seen in a while. I think, are rare. I think with Duchesne, 
Yeah, what's going on there? I think with Duchesne, it's I think people really underestimated his uh, his psyche. Hmm. Uh, and I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay. I am trying to play radio psychologist. Here. All right, uh, I'm listening. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is that like I think he's a sensitive soul. When people were criticizing him last year for quitting on the team, I didn't necessarily criticize him, but I do acknowledge the fact that when you feel really bad about your lot in life, that and and all of a sudden maybe the effort's not there. Um, it, in some cases, maybe you can you can uh, bemoan that, but in other cases, you have to just be like. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve. He's a very emo player. And then he gets traded for the first time. For the first time in his kid's career, he's playing for another NHL team. Goes to Ottawa and gets there just as the entire thing starts falling apart. And now he's thinking to myself, man, not only not going to be on a playoff team, but now everybody's going to blame me Maybe for Maybe I should buy that second dashboard confessional CD. <laughs> Great. I'm running out of tracks. And so, and so it's not a surprise to me that a guy that I think is pretty sensitive is getting off to a horrible start with that team. But again, like you said... It's a long runway. He's got another year on his contract there. I think he's a really good player. I just think that maybe we underestimated that this guy wasn't going to come in and light the world on fire because he's kind of bummed about the way things worked out. Oh. Should we talk about something happy? Talk about Seattle? Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but sports writers are really uh, narcissistic and selfish. <laughs> and all I'm excited about is the fact that we could be getting a really sweet road city. And do you know what's crazy? This is all of a sudden like ascended into an inevitability. Like yeah. if Seattle doesn't get a team right now, it's an upset. We willed it into existence. Yeah. It's funny because you think back to like other potential expansion for the NHL. And like at one point people were like Kansas City. And, and, and like no, two and, weeks ago, people were like Houston. And, and literally no hockey writer was like, oh, yeah, Kansas City, make it happen. Mm, barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, barbecue would be fine. But no apologies, Kansas City. Yeah. So I was at the Board of Governors uh, meeting last week. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know what the Board of Governors meeting is, it's when the Board of Governors, uh, all these fancy. <laughs> do you like that? I was working on it. Yeah, you liked it. Uh, these fancy NHL owners and uh, governors uh, meet and just talk about how rich they are and how much richer they've become uh, yeah. in a really fancy resort in Minneapolis, Florida. It wasn't terrible. But um, they pretty much said that Seattle is invited to apply for the league and can do a season ticket drive. And what's so significant about that is three years ago, Vegas was invited to do a season ticket drive, but they weren't invited to uh, apply for the league. So they're kind of stepping over a few steps, and Jerry Bruckheimer is going to own an NHL team. Which is amazing. Because he... You know what you're thinking of, right? What? The effects in the arena. Yeah, the effects in the arena. Uh, the fact that you know the opening video for the team will involve the entire team walking away from an explosion in slow motion. going to be fantastic. <laughs> and they're going to be called the Sasquatch, as you have willed as into I his existence as well. Said, yeah, the Sat- this guy. Did you have a preferred name? What was your preferred name when we did that from the Warring Skate? Um, it was pretty uh, easily dumped on by every single person, but I thought they should be called the Seattle Thunder for two reasons. Hmm. One. Wait, I- What? Yes, I know. I guess he doesn't read the morning skate. I only read through my paragraph. What? Yeah, I'm right after it. It's not that many more words. But (laughs) my rationale for it was the Thunderbirds are the long-term WHL team in town. So I think it's a little bit of an ode to them and that fan base. But also, it's a clapback to the Oklahoma City Thunder who stole the Seattle Supersonics. So it's like a ha-ha, mic drop. So you're saying that they would be stealing their Thunder. I would be. And then I was also uh, dumped on by everyone on Twitter who explained to me that thunder apparently isn't a very regular occurrence in the Seattle area. There's a lot of rain, Wait, but not there's thunder. there's a lot of rain, but not thunder? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, well, I went to Penn State, and the one class I had to late drop was meteorology. So this all kind of comes full <laughs> circle of why I did not understand this. Why do you take a meteorological class anyway? Because I thought it was about clouds and sun and rainbow, but clearly I'm not very good at the weather. No. So It's about El Nino and El Nino. Yeah, and like calculus. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Also, my professor was a former talent on the Weather Channel, and he accidentally slipped on his own Wikipedia page and at least three PowerPoints. 
Are we to believe that meteorologists actually work behind the scenes to like, like, are they back there with a protractor yeah. to kind of map where those weather are patterns going? and yeah? Because um, I just assumed it was like broadcasting where like they just give you a sheet of information and you, you read watched Anchorman, didn't you? Well, no, I just I did, but I mean, I I always I don't listen. I'm not trying to disparage the good meteorologists of our time, but like I just assumed they didn't do any work. Like yeah. I, I thought it was all set up for them, and then all they had to do was. A, learn how to use the clicker. B, not wear something that's going to clash with the blue or green screen. So now you have the map on their shirt. Yeah, that's a big, uh, yeah. I and thought I was going to be getting these lessons. No. Craig, I'm with you. And then, yeah, I had I to take some summer it. classes because I dropped it. I wasn't told there'd be math. You were, what was the vibe at the Board of Governors meeting uh, with regard to Seattle's entry? Like, was it overwhelmingly positive or was there an inkling of, of wait and see like there was with Vegas? No, it was overwhelmingly positive. Like the word I would want to use is inevitable. And it was so crazy because at least I and I think the rest of the reporters that came to the meeting were like, I hope that Gary Bettman at least addresses Seattle, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like the the city approved this arena. Like, I hope he at least mentions it. Even the NHL PR guy sent me an email like, don't expect much news to break. I think they always send that email, though, like in hopes that people just won't show up. <laughs> But uh, yeah, when when the owners are leaving and, and they're feeling jolly, and I had a chance to catch up with one of them. And he's like, yeah, I think it's happening. Yeah. Well, you know, they. I still. I think they would have gotten a team in this last round of expansion if they had an arena, right? And if they had and a an singular arena. ownership yeah. group, and, and, I th- and I think that's a chicken egg kind of thing. Where if they, if the if they had broken ground on that arena that that uh, I am Chris Hansen wanted to build, <laughs> uh, then I think there would have had they would have been some co- consolidation of ownership because they all had competing sites, basically all the owners out there. Now they got the arena. Now they got, they got the ownership. I think it's inevitable that they go out there. Well, um, in sort of a broader sense, there's two questions I have for you about expansion. One, do you think they're, let's start with one, because that's where we start. Uh, do you think they're going to sweeten the pot again for this team insofar as the expansion draft? Do you think that, like, there might be some people out there that are a little pissed off with the way the Vegas got like, set up? Oh, wait, did we give them too much? Did we give them too much? Like, I, Why I are they doing so well? Yeah, it's the betterment of the league for an expansion team to be strong, for a team in a new market to be strong, for them to you know, really be on fire and, and capture the imagination of, of the fan base early. But like Vegas is second in their division. And if I'm like Calgary looking up at a playoff I'm like, spot, let's have some discourse about yeah, this. Cause like they're not getting, a, I mean, if Calgary, you know, Calgary's going to have to overcome the group of death central division, which we're going to talk about later in the show to get one of those wild card spots. If I'm like Calgary, I'm looking up at Vegas. I'm like, come on, man. Like why did they get our like fourth best defenseman yeah. from every team? They're really good. I think as it is now, Gary Metman says it'll be the same situation mm. as Vegas. Um, I do think that there's going to be some conversation that has to be had in the competition committee about what the provisions are. And I guess the other number two, yeah, the other big question, my number two, as it were, which follows number one. Yes. Where do you put them? I'm bad at math. I'm not that bad. <laughs> where, do you, where do you put them? Yeah, ha- I mean, you have to put them in the same division as the Canucks. It's the natural rivalry. Mm-hmm. I think my easy solution, and I'll have a piece about this next week of what I imagine the new map will look like, but. You move Arizona to the Central Division, and I know that sounds crazy, but it kind of sets up a situation where, hey, if Arizona has to move to Houston, it could make sense. <laughs> so you are thinking several sorry, moves, sorry. several moves on the chessboard yeah. ahead. I'm where house if, of carsing this. Yeah, if the Coyotes have to move, they're obviously not going to move to Quebec City before Houston. We assume, right? Poor Quebec City, by the way. Yeah, I know it was just another sad day for them. I still think that if you went to Quebec City and said, "Here's here's a franchise. Do you mind playing in the?" Western Conference for the Do you next. mind playing in China for all of your home games? They'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, legitimately before you get your statement done, they're like, oh, yes. And like the <laughs> team's we, there. So 
But I agree with you. Like, I think I think Houston might be the play for the Coyotes as far as having an owner, having a building. I think they're still in play for the NHL. Not right yeah. now, but yeah. I think that that market is so attractive for the I- NHL. I think your idea is really good. Like, the Coyotes yes. magically transform into Houston, become the Dallas Rock. God, could you imagine if Seattle comes in this league and, like, the Coyote situation is still in flux and all of a sudden they move them to the Central? That becomes, like, the single worst kept secret in hockey. They're just, like, everybody's just, like, tapping their watch being like, we're waiting, Arizona, you know, until they move to become Houston. It's crazy. All right. Uh, when we come back from this short break, we're going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks and what ails them. Stick around. I love sports. I just wish they could be with me always. They say you don't choose the app. The app chooses you. It is everything I could ever want in a sports companion. It can stream the games and shows that I love, and it's there whenever I need it. I never thought I could find an app that loves sports as much as I do. Until now. Download the ESPN app to stream ESPN Radio and all the ESPN networks now. It's ESPN on ice. It's Greg and Emily. So the Chicago Blackhawks, as we speak right now, are a team in the Western Conference that I would say is having a struggle. I would say that they are not where they want to be. I would say that they are on the outside looking in on the playoff picture. Not completely out of it. In the hunt. And now that they got Corey Crawford back, a.k.a. the only reason they're in the hunt, uh, they should remain there. But uh, you are someone who covers the Blackhawks rather uh, intently. What's I live wrong? in Chicago. It's yeah, not. I mean, that, that was, a, yeah. I mean, it's Patrick just, Kane, know. Jonathan Tays, um, yeah. super fan. But I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I I live in New York, but I can't say that I cover yeah. any of those teams. In I go to a lot of their games, and I like to see a lot of the mm-hmm. visiting teams come in. And what I've noticed about them is that Coach Q, and I'm a total line change truther, changes his lines so much and could not find any kind of chemistry whatsoever. Define line change truther. I know that they always have the answer out there, but have to go a really long way to get there. <laughs> Coach Q knows what he's going to use in April when it's crunch time, but he just needs to play his little coach cards. So um, you're someone who's out there being like, don't change the lines. They'll figure it out. And you're like, no, put him in a blender. Yeah, I'm a blender. I love it. Per blender. Uh, but yeah, so look, I think obviously the big splashy moves they made this summer, they sent Artemi Panarin over to recapture some of the magic that they had from those cup, cup runs. It was like one last swing at it. So they got Brandon Saad and they got Patrick Sharp back in a, in a separate move. And it just hasn't quite clicked. And a lot of that was to recapture some of the magic with Jonathan Taze. And he hasn't found a uh, a, a right center, a winger rather, uh, until maybe now. And because I'm a line change truther, I um, really believe that someone who is being underserved is this uh, rookie named Alex Debrinkit, who was like a third line winger until about a week ago, finally got promoted to the first line and is doing really well. Yeah, and, w- and one of the more consistent scorers lately for them. It's funny, the Saad deal looked really good. At the beginning, when he came in there and scored like a billion goals in his first like five or six. Yeah, well, games. when they scored like seventeen goals in their yeah. first two games, and everything was great. Do you think Jonathan Taves' status on the top one hundred players of all time list is in trouble if he continues to struggle? He won three Stanley Cups, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pass. I think he's he's doing okay there. All right, so you you talked to Alex Abrinkit. Uh, what 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 did you glean from this conversation you're about to hear? Well, I gleaned that this is a 19-year-old kid um, mm-hmm. who literally hasn't graduated high school yet. So that's where I began the interview. I have uh, about two more classes. I'm almost done with one of them, so then I'll have one more class. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on getting those done. When do you uh, take them? When do you find time? 
Uh, off days, you know, whenever, after practice. Or, there's enough time. You know, you can do some on the plane, but I usually <laughs> don't end up doing that. Are you still living in the hotel? Uh, no, no, I have a place. What do you miss most about hotel living life? Not much. Really? Uh, yeah, no. What about uh, someone making your bed up, every day? Yeah, yeah. They clean up after you, but, um, you know, staying in a hotel for extended periods of time is, is not the best. So I did a story recently on Matt Zuccarello with the Rangers, and he's similar size as you, and he was saying at every point in his career, uh, people told him he was too small, or that he was in juniors, and then he got to the Swedish Elite League, and then when he was in the NHL. And so you're a couple years behind him, but I'm curious, like, did you have a similar experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, no one, I feel like no one really told me to my face that I was too small, but that was kind of the talk, and... Um, no, I never had any like a coach or anyone say you might as well quit now because you're too small. So, um, you know, thank, thankfully for that because you know there's a lot of smaller guys in the league now that kind of um, you know paved the way for me. And um, you know, it, it's a little bit different game now. What about your weight? Is keeping weight a struggle for you? Um, mm, no, not not too much. I'm usually around the same all all year. So. Um, you know, for me, it's just kind of trying to get stronger. And, um, you know, when I get stronger, my weight doesn't really get too... Uh, Are you one of those people that gets to eat whatever they want? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, sorry, can't relate. So um, you're a 19-year-old, and you're making pretty good money. What's one splurge you've made since signing your contract? Uh, I bought a car. So that, that's... What kind of car? Uh, well, I actually leased a, uh, a truck. Okay. When I was in Erie, and then when I got here, I got a, a yeah, Jeep. Yeah, you don't need a so, truck here. Yeah, it's too tough to drive in the city, so I got a Jeep here, and I let my dad keep the truck for the, the, the last of the lease, so um, uh, those were the two big purchases. What's it like being a 19-year-old on a road trip with hockey players to Vegas? What did you do? Uh, I couldn't do anything, so I was just kind of sitting in my room, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it was fun for them to... You know, maybe go to the casino or, or something, but yeah. You go do your homework. Anything. Yeah, I, I didn't do too much. No. So what players say about Coach Q is that he coaches everyone differently. He knows how to push the right buttons for guys. I'm curious, how do you like to be coached? Um, I don't know. I think it it depends. I think uh, you know I like to be maybe not necessarily yelled at, but I like to to be told what I'm doing wrong so I know know what to change. And I think it's. Uh, I like a, a calm presence, maybe. I okay. think, uh, you know, maybe I get flustered when, when people yell at me, but, um, you know, I, I think I can take it pretty well. So coaches are always known for coach speak, the things they say all the time. What's something Coach Q says, like a phrase he says, it's either at practice or on the bench? Uh, Qism. I don't know. I don't know yet. I haven't really figured that out. you got to study. I know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm obsessed with trash talk. I'm curious, how much more elite is the trash talk in the NHL than it was in juniors? There's actually not much, I feel like. Really? Uh, it was worse like, in juniors? Yeah, I feel like, uh, I don't know, there's there's less respect down there, maybe. And I think uh, here, I mean, some guys trash talk, but I don't think I've said a word to anyone, and no one said a word to me, so it's... Uh, um, yeah, there's there's not much that I've heard. You don't have to say who said it, but what's like the weirdest or more specific piece of chirping you've ever heard on the ice? Mm, I don't know. There's nothing really specific. I feel like it's always the same thing. It's like, 
Well, I mean, to me at least, it's just you can, like, you're smaller. Uh, <laughs> Got them. I feel like, yeah, nothing nothing really too specific. Okay, so since you never graduated high school, I figured we could do superlatives, you know, like in a yearbook. Do you know what that is, at least? No. Like, most likely to succeed. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so if you were looking at the Blackhawks locker room right now and you had to give out the Class Clown Award, who would you give it to? Seeb's uh, probably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about... Most popular. Um, Who has the most friends? <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think most uh, Steve's has a lot of friends. I might have to go home again. Or okay. um, he's gonna get his picture taken like five yeah, times. I think maybe him. Best car. Um, Curl has a pretty. Cool car. I think uh, I like his the best. What or is it? Maybe Murph. Murph has a Porsche, and I'm really into Porsches. So okay. I like that, but um, yeah, Crow has a cool car too. Who on the team is most likely to be at a restaurant and take a food picture for Instagram or send their wife? <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe Osterly. Okay. Who's the most intellectual? <clears throat> Taser's pretty pretty smart. I yeah, think, he's uh, a thinker. Yeah, I think. Uh, I have to go home. Okay. What about the best bromance on the team? Jeez. Uh, I told you these are hard-hitting I questions. Know. We'll go uh, Schmaltz and Kaner. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty cute. What about best dressed? Uh, uh, I think Crow again. Yeah. yeah. What's like his signature style? I don't know. I just noticed he's like relatively dressed up to practice. I think like I wear sweatpants and stuff, and he's always in jeans and a nice jacket. So I just noticed that one one day. So I, I don't really remember what anyone else wears. So I'll go with him. Well, cool. my last thing for you is there's so many paths for guys to get to the NHL, and obviously it worked out for you. But do you ever wonder? Okay, maybe what if would happen if I had taken the college route or didn't go to juniors? Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, it would be the same. I think, uh, you know, college is, is a good path for, for some guys. And, um, you know, I just don't think that's the style uh, of hockey I play. So um, I don't think I would be as successful if, uh, you know, I didn't really take take the path I, I went. I think I played with a lot of skilled players, and that really helped me develop my game. So, uh, you know, for me, the OHL was definitely the right route. Are you sick of people asking you what it's like <laughs> playing with Connor McDavid? Uh, no, it doesn't happen too much anymore, but, uh, you know. Now, it's, was it like playing with Jonathan Taze? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I don't know. You get used to it. It's uh, it's pretty cool to, to be able to play with the, those elite players and, um, you know, kind of pick their brains a little bit on, on how they play and, um, you know, how they make plays. And I think that's definitely made me a better player just uh, watching them and, and kind of trying to take a piece from their game. Awesome, Alex. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Our thanks to Alex DeBrinkit and the Chicago Blackhawks for this little chat. Aren't you glad that now you know the best bromance on the Chicago Blackhawks uh, dressing room? I, I'm glad I know that. I'm also glad that... He's the cutest couple. I'm glad that I'm not 19 anymore. Yeah. Well, how sad <laughs> is it that he had to sit all alone in his Vegas uh, hotel room? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure the other guys had fun. That's the thing. That's... He stared out the window wistfully, listening wistfully. to dashboard confessionals yeah. or whatever 19-year-olds listen to these days. Watching the neon lights flash off in the distance. Yeah. And maybe one day, like, there's an In-N-Out near there. Maybe he got a burger. Damn right. Should have asked him that. Know. In and out or five guys for you? Team in and out. 
I think it's because it's more fleeting for me. Anytime I go to the West Coast, it's it's a rare commodity. Okay. Five Guys is everywhere. Uh, in and out or Shake Shack. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Now I you got a girl thinking. Now I've you got a girl thinking. Throwing the gauntlet down. In and out. What about you? Oh, I'm five guys. Oh. No, I, and, and for a very specific reason, which is that, like, I don't, I, I, I tend to go for trashy burgers over good burgers. You know, fun fact about five guys, by the way? There's only four of them. No, that's I don't know true. if that's true or not. <laughs> the guy who started actually was in Northern Virginia, and he pretty much told all of his kids, I'm going to start a burger, like, shack or, mm-hmm. you know, restaurant. I have your tuition money here. I can either send you to college or you can come help me out in the family business. And all the kids chose to follow him. Wow. It's fascinating. Right. And yeah. now they could like buy a college. The more you the know. The more you know. I like a burger that is uh, a, a bit of a, like a like a grease cannonball. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing about Five Guys is they put it in the foil. So not only do you have grease cannonball in your hand that you're eating, but then you can you can pick the, the, the cheese off the foil. You're a picker. Well, I mean, in that this case, is a I'm really a picker. big quality. In other parts of life, I'm not a picker, but in that case, I am. And I just, you know, to me, it, it evokes that backyard barbecue feel of the, the 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 American cheese slowly melting on top of the burger. Thanks it's always that. It's always that visual signal that oh, as soon as you see the cheese go on it, you're like, it's time. They're ready. They, all that has to do is for this cheese to cascade down across the sides. Don't make me change my answer. I'm team in and out. Team in and out. <laughs> I could see you're. I could see you're about to become Anthony Anderson from Harold and Kumar, about to burn this place down if you don't get one of them sweet burgers. I literally am going to leave this podcast studio and go get one. Speaking of food, uh, a weekly segment <laughs> here on ESPN on Ice. This is actually a trend. Like I, we didn't plan this. No, terrific King transition. Uh, a weekly segment here on ESPN on Ice is going to be something we call Phil Kessel eats hot dogs. Now, what is Phil Kessel eats hot dogs? Well, as you know. One of the uh, great media, media narratives of all time was that uh, Phil Kessel visited the same hot dog cart every day. Yeah, uh, that's in, what the rumor was. Oh, it was printed, Yep, but it was a rumor. It was a rumor. Uh, it was the lead of a story. In Toronto, him. and that's why he didn't do well, and that's why he's now on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right, so hot dogs became synonymous with Phil Kessel, even though that story was bubkiss. Uh, but it was, of course, a media narrative, and that's why Phil Kessel eats hot dogs each week will be a place where we talk about the most media-driven story of the week uh, vis-a-vis the world of hockey. What Did we agree on the Phil Kessel eats hot dogs this week, or did you have one of your own? I think it was probably Eric Carlson. Was yeah. that what we decided on? It was a bit of a media-driven story, only because it was sort of like a media you know, game of dominoes where, you know, media asked your Dowdy. Your Dowdy says Garrett Carlson. Sure. So I think you agree, uh, we agree on that one. I would say my nominee for Phil Kessel eats hot dogs is... <laughs> So Eric Francis is a columnist <laughs> oh, for the yeah. uh, for the Calgary Sun, who has become sort of uh, infamous for carrying water for the team ownership in their uh, fight to get a new arena. You, by the way, where, where was that Calgary stuff at board at the board of governors? As far as like, where are they on Calgary and the new arena thing? Uh, not not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was pretty much a fleeting sentence by Gary Bettman where he's like, yeah, you don't feel good if you're in Calgary now. I don't think there's any progress. Yeah. And if you're a Flames fan, you're like, well, damn, uh, what does this leave us? So for those who don't know, the Saddle Dome super old, uh, super awesome. And <laughs> people wear super cool cowboy boots and it's an awesome city that I really want to go to for its authenticity. Uh, Murray Edwards is the, the owner of the, uh, the Flames and is a, a, a Bettman loyalist through and through. So one assumes that the NHL will always have their back in this fight, as they often do when somebody wants to uh, uh, get get a new arena. But Eric Francis is a, as a columnist for, this, for the Calgary Sun who has carried water for the Flames for a really long time. And this time, 
boy, it, he had a he had a water tanker. He was driving the water tanker, yeah. carrying so much water. Uh, the headline was 150 million more reasons for Flames owners to sell. Uh, talking about the franchise value of the Seattle expansion team being bumped up to 650 million over 500 million, saying it's time for them to sell to cash out to get the money. And why? Because the city of Calgary won't uh, capitulate and uh, fund a new arena for the team. Uh, Edmonton did it, and basically Calgary's argument for a, a city-funded arena boils down to this. Hey, look, at the Oilers got one. Why don't we get one? Also, we are really good to you guys on charities and stuff, and so give us a, bu- a building or whatever. And then the city's like, what about property taxes? Shouldn't you pay those? And the Flames are like, what's a property tax? Uh, so that's basically where we are in this thing. And so Eric Francis is my Phil Kessley Todd Dogs of the Week for writing a scathing column about how the Calgary Flames uh, need to get all of this money is from Calgary, including lines about the newly reelected mayor, uh, Nahid uh, Nenshi in Calgary, who, by the way, was the guy that Gary Bettman kind of campaigned against, but then says the NHL doesn't get involved in politics. Um, Craig, so, we talked about getting a laugh track on this uh, podcast. <laughs> I feel like there were seven moments to interject that right there. <laughs> so Francis uh, writes this about about the flames in the city. Quote, the mayor needs to find a way to be a bigger man stop. by stop, coming stop, up stop, stop, stop. with a there way to get the flames back to the negotiating table Jeez. to build something the city will eventually have to build with or without the flames in town, meaning a new building. His ego likely won't allow that. So it's a scathing attack on the mayor. It's pumping up the tires of the Calgary Flames. It's talking about the specter of relocation and whatever. I, I listen. I, maybe you, maybe uh, you, and maybe everybody out there in podcast land has a difference of opinion on what cities should or should not do for arenas. I think in 2017, I think I think cities should offer up a, a pittance of money, uh, and and I think that the most of the arena should be paid for. By the team trying to get it privately funded, privately funded. No one says that they can't make money off the arena. Right. And there's going to be like ticket taxes and all kinds of things and all different ways you could do it. But this notion of like, what about all the charity work we've done? The idea that like that charity work had these giant long strings that were attached to a 2017 arena fight is hilarious. It's like. Oh, we'd love to invite all of these cancer kids to the rink, teach them how to stick handle. By the way, the only reason we're doing it is to get luxury suites in the new building. Like you and laugh track. <laughs> what an evil Scroogeian thing is that? So yeah, the, 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 this. If you want to read it, it's it's titled Francis Colon, and nothing, nothing was more appropriate than that part. Hundred and fifty million more reasons for Flames owners to sell uh, is the name of the story, and it is uh, it is a it is a press release for the Flames. Well. That was a media-driven story. What's a story that a coach literally uh, brought upon himself? And that's Barry Trotz, who just couldn't help himself and blurted out how he felt. And uh, the genesis of this story is the Rangers playing the Capitals. And obviously, the Capitals are always in the market for trade deadline, uh, you know, rentals. And one of the guys I got last year was Kevin Shattenkirk. And we all know it didn't work out great in that short period. Mm-hmm. Kevin Shattenkirk was with their Capitals. Kevin Shattenkirk's a stand-up guy. I think he tried his hardest. Maybe he didn't play his best hockey in those, what was it, like a month and a half, two months? Yeah, about two months, yeah. But uh, that was some mean fighting words yeah. from Mr. Trotz. Leading off the puck headlines here in the segment on ESPN on Ice is definitely Barry Trotz <laughs> talking freely about uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, deuce, Shat Deuces. Yeah, great, I always, great I, handle. I always reverse it. I always say Deuce Shats, which is sound, it sounds very 
different. Okay, I'm going to say something that I'm going to test our censorship here. But um, I'm in a fantasy <laughs> hockey league for the first time ever. And I have Kevin Shattenkirk on my team. And my team's name is Who Shattenkirk's Bed? That's great. There's okay, wrong is that appropriate? That. Is that fine? Sure. Okay. It's a, it's a double entendre. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. I show it off to a lot of people and they laugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I had to share. Barry we Trott can continue said, on. Barry Trott said... Uh, we play a little different than some teams. It worked in areas that we wanted. He helped our power play. He made it more dangerous in that. <laughs> I think that everyone thought of him as a one-two top pairing defenseman. Oh, that was cringe. in parenthetical. And he really wasn't. He was a little lower, and I think it worked out okay. <laughs> he, do you think he's a top pairing defenseman? I do. Yeah. I think just for his offensive abilities alone. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be that shutdown guy. But you, I mean... You go to Rangers games. You I see do. how he's you see how he's affecting my fantasy team. <laughs> he's getting those assists. He's getting those assists. But I still think that I think uh, once again, you know, there, there's, there's been these debates over time about where a guy should be slotted in the lineup. I remember the PK. What is a top shutdown yeah, defenseman? There was a huge thing about PK Subban being a is he a three or a four? Is People he a debated or a about PK Subban. They did and his worth and 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 whether or not he was a three or a four. It was I think it was some, somebody on Canadian. No, I'm, it was a really well. Poorly landed joke about people in PK Subban and oh. debating everything about his life. But here's the thing about that one it, didn't stick. But here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, on on the the Predators, sure. I mean, you could argue he's a three or four only because, because they have a so guy. Deep, yeah. yeah, they're so deep, right? And they have Roman Yossi, right? So if you want to make the argument that on a, on a certain team that Shattenkirk was a three or a four, and maybe that's the best place for him, that's fine. But who in Barry Trotz is a top guy? Brooks Orpik. <laughs> I would think he would probably say John Carlson. My yeah. only my only agreement here with Trotz is the idea that maybe Shattenkirk doesn't drive five on five play as much as he should. Okay, like I, I could I could make that argument and feel like maybe he has some semblance of a point. But my problem with it, and and maybe this is me asking too much because I want coaches both to be open and honest about it, and I also want them you know to show their personality. And so often they're not as, but. Why? Why? You why know, say it now? Di- yeah. Why? Yeah. I mean, obviously he's upset about the way Shattenkirk performed for them, and I have some kind of resentment. But like, I don't know. Have you ever talked to Kevin Shattenkirk? He's the nicest guy, and I think tries the hardest and is the nicest. It just it felt really um, ill placed. It, it it was, and I also think that if maybe like you said, there there's maybe some residual uh, feelings about the fact that like. You know, I still say it. I, I still can't believe the, the Capitals had the season they had last year. And then at the end of it, their general manager basically came out and just said, well, that's it. That was our shot. <laughs> like, Bye. You know, I, I, I still wonder exactly how much baggage is being and carried. And hey, by the way, now. they're like winning right now. And they're Alex good. Ovechkin, who everyone thought was going to regress, is the player of the world mm-hmm. every week. That's right. Should be in your column. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't oh. make him it every week. Putin can be some weeks, and then he can be other weeks. The player of the world of the week, by the way, this week on ESPN, thanks to everybody who submits stuff for that column. It's an awesome column. Was Dave Leggio, the guy who's the, the goalie who tips over the net when he's facing a breakaway. Oh, my God. I love that guy. Yeah, I saw so, that video. I wanted, I wanted him to win it because, uh, to me, it, it's amazing. First of all, he's probably going to be an Olympic goalie, which is pretty great. Second of all, like the uh, for those who don't know, he faced a 2-1-0 breakaway in the American Hockey League in 2014, and his response to this, instead of you know squaring up and facing the shot, was to turn around and being a bigger man, like being the bigger man, man up there. <laughs> he was his response was to turn around and tip over his own net, and so therefore the other team gets a penalty shot, which he then saved. He faced the same situation uh, this week, and I think it was Germany, where he tipped over the net and stopped a two on zero. In both cases, the leagues in which he played, uh, at least the AHL did it. The, the, the his league now talked about it. 
uh, was the response was to change the rules and make sure a goalie couldn't do that. So the this idea is like Sean Averying. Yeah, it is. It's like making it up as you go along. So the idea that this guy has maybe two different rules named for him in two different leagues for pulling the same chicanery to me is totally player of the world of the week material. But trots. Uh, why did he say it? I don't know. He's sad. Uh, I loved it. I, I, I loved it, but I hated it. Yeah. The second thing we want to talk about in the puck headlines are the injuries to St. Louis Blues. You've Aww. got you've got Jaden Schwartz out for six weeks. That's which a is bummer. The single most depressing thing you could possibly imagine because like he's having a great year. Why is he having a great year? We asked in the story earlier this year. Everybody said he's finally healthy, which of course now he's not. Uh, and then uh, Alex Petrangelo went on IR today. Lower should body be. injury should be all right. But Back it, by Tuesday. But like that, <laughs> that's hockey IR. Like Blues fans should just like. Go fund me a witch doctor or something at this point for this team. Every single time they're good, this happens. Well, even when they're like, for example, this offseason when Robbie Fabry goes down and it's like, oh, no, they're screwed. Right. Let's go get Yamir Yager because there's no chance we're going to be good and somehow found a way to win anyway. Right. And then even when they're winning, uh, this is happening. So, yeah, I feel for them, um, especially with the year they're having where they finally have this like secondary and third scoring behind Vladimir Tarasenko. Goaltending's looking good. The central division's kind of wide open, and we can we're going to get into the central division in a second. But I feel for them. Well, let's talk about that. How boned are they? They they're, they're leading the division. They've responded well. They've won as we do this podcast four in a row. Uh, it's them at forty four points in thirty one games. Winnipeg thir- forty one and thirty one. Uh, the Preds forty and twenty nine. But the Dallas, Preds are two games. Yeah, they have two games in hand. hand. And then you got Dallas at thirty five and thirty one, and then you got Minnesota, Chicago. Uh, both out of the running, and Colorado still in a stocking position. So, like, it's the group of death. The Metropolitan, to me, is group of death. I, the Metro could be the group of death. I, I Because either the Islanders or Devils, who are having fantastic starts, are not going to get in, in my opinion. Yeah, I was thinking more like up and down quality, though. Okay, Like, I think, I think the Metro has some yo-yo tendency of, of teams that are good that could not be good. I think sure. all the teams here are real solid, and the emergence... Of Winnipeg, for I example. I have the hugest hockey crush on the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> I, I just can't help it. Every time I watch them or talk about them or Connor Hellebuck. Everybody um, does, though. That's the thing. Like They're so fun. I think they're one of the teams that... They're scoring so much. I think they're one of the teams you root for. If this is from a, like, a media perspective. Like You root for them because the idea of... of, of of uh, playoff hockey in Winnipeg is so is so sexy. Like, yeah. you know, the whiteout, the fans going crazy. We decided earlier I had the Western Conference, right? You are going to, you could call dibs on that yeah. if they get in. They should. You can go um, to D.C. But at the same time, like, from a big picture American hockey perspective, like, the specter of, and now the Stanley Cup final between the Winnipeg Jets and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And for all the tangential hockey fans right. saying, this is why I don't watch. Right. And then you're trying to get everybody like, buddy, come on. We but watch I'm the telling Jets you. The t-. It's like, no, there's also a thing called the beach that I'll go to instead. Do you know who's one of the most underrated personalities? Not let, like, let alone his hockey skills, which are incredible. But in the NHL? Mark Shifley. I was going to say Blake Wheeler. That's funny. Yeah. Well, see, there's two. Yeah. Boom. They're, they're real. And Patrick Laine is there. Like, they're yeah. very, very. Patrick Laine, by the way, is reaching like Timu Solani levels of celebrity in Finland. Yeah. It's incredible. I was talking. There's oh, Sammy. Have you met Sammy, the Finnish reporter? Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He's and awesome. Yeah. He was telling me that like literally Patrick Laine is like tabloid heaven in Finland. That's a guy that I was really hoping would turn a season around and has. Yeah. Like, he's on a goal scoring tear. And, like, Remember how was... emo he was early in the year? <laughs> yes. Hockey is not fun for me, he said, which like <laughs> was totally translated correctly. <laughs> I'm happy for him now. But yeah, so like to me, the central is is insanely good and deep. So but again, three spots, for the top three teams in that division, two wild card spots are open. 
I think the Central probably ends up taking both wild card spots. That still oh, only yeah. gives you five teams. You know, who's on the outside looking in if you're if you've got let's okay, let's count it's it down. It's either the stars is, are the blues in the playoffs. Yes. I think they'll they'll figure they out a way to have enough too. of a start that I think they'll be okay. The Jets are in the playoffs. One hundred percent. I'm I'm swooning. The Preds are in the playoffs. Yeah, because they're only getting hotter right now. I picked them to miss the playoffs, but now I'm going to have to come around to the idea that maybe I was... R- 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 Wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it comes down to the Stars, the Wild, and the Blackhawks. And do the Blackhawks pick it up, or do they show the inconsistencies where they haven't won more than two games in a row all year? Or do you have the Wild who finally get healthy and figure it out? Or do you get the Stars that was everyone's trendy sleeper pick to begin the year and really struggled under Ken Hitchcock to to adapt to a more defensive system early, but seemed to be turning a corner? If I were a betting man, which I very much mm. was. You're not going to Vegas. First time you met in Vegas. <laughs> Greg and I met in Vegas. It was, it was, it was <laughs> wonderful. It was the best. I mean, it was a super we sad. We actually sat at a press box alone. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was a super sad night. Like, yeah. it was the, the home opener after the shooting. But at the same time, it was also... Ridiculous. The night that he discovered the Sweet Golden Night song. So it was the night I discovered Sweet Golden Night. Oh, that has legs. Yeah, it was for beautiful. you. Um, I would say my pick would be I would pick the Wild and the Blackhawks, and and this is me being a complete traditionalist in the sense that I can't pick against the Bruce Boudreau team mm-hmm. to not make the playoffs, and also I and implode the playoffs. I feel I feel like I feel like the Blackhawks have one more year to to do this. Yeah, and, and now and yeah. Yeah. I, I believe in the Blackhawks. With Hawks. apologies to the Dallas Stars, I, and I, I would think love Crawford to see the Stars could win the Vezina. I think I think he could. I think I think the love in for Crawford is real, but I do also think that he'd have to overcome a couple of really good goalies to get there. But yeah. I think he's going to be in the mix. And I think that their defense has turned a corner because you have the emergence of guys like Forsling mm-hmm. and Connor Murphy looks really good at the left side. But right. This is someone who goes to too many Blackhawk games. <laughs> Finally, in the in the puck headlines, Connor Murphy in the left side. <laughs> which that? Uh, which. Uh, <laughs> Which team that's on way on the outside looking in gets back into it? All right. My off-season hockey crush was also in Western Canada, and that was the Edmonton Oilers. And I just thought once they got the Drysdale deal done and you got the best player in the world in Connor McDavid, I think he's better than Sidney Crosby. Cam Talbot had such a great year last year. Uh, they've been a total disappointment. But look, all the pieces are still there. They could do it. So... um the Pacific Division is probably the most wide open out of all the divisions. I mean, the Atlantic's just anemic. It's, it's sad to look at. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I look at their standings and I'm like, the Bru- I mean, the Bruins are playing well, but they're in third place. That's ridiculous. Uh, anyways, so um, the Edmonton Oilers are currently in seventh in the Pacific Division. They have a measly. Is that correct? Twenty six points. They're not good, Emily. They're not good, but uh, all they have to do is get past the Canucks. The Ducks, uh, the Ducks who just need to get healthy to be good, but, you know, that's a big if. Uh, the Flames are probably going to regress. The Sharks, who I haven't watched enough of, and I won't speak to them. And the Golden Knights. So it's possible, man. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I believe in very few things in this life, Emily. And what do you believe in? But one of the things I believe in is science and analytics. Oh, my god! So gosh. when I look at the analytics of the Carolina Hurricanes, you I get- say to myself, self, they simply will not miss the playoffs. You can't possess the puck as much as they do and not make the playoffs. So I'm going to say Carolina finds a way to get back into it. They're uh, roughly uh, about six points out of a wild card spot right now. Do you know what's interesting? Over the off season, one question I asked all players is, "What team do you think is going to break through?" Mm-hmm. And like so many players picked the Hurricanes, and mm-hmm. I said, "Why?" And they said, "Because they're so hard to play against." Yeah, and. Uh- 
I, I just think that that has to speak to something. Right. It speaks to the fact that all the people coach. in the in the offseason who said that Scott Darling was better than Corey Crawford were really wrong. People said that? They did. Oh. Dave Lozo, my other podcast buddy, said it. Dave. Like, shout out to Dave. Uh. All right. Finally, on the show this week, uh, a little segment we like to call something we're obsessed with in hockey. Mm. What is your current hockey obsession? Do you have one? The Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Oh, man, this is embarrassing. Yeah, I think it is the Winnipeg Jets. I think I love watching them, and I have NHL Game Pass, and anytime I see they're on the schedule, like, I have intentions of, like, I'm finally going to watch the Sharks, and I'm finally going to watch, you know, who am I going to watch? I haven't watched any Avalanche games. I I think the Sharks is a team that I always intend to watch, and then I see that the Jets are playing, and And there you go. I'm obsessed. I would say mine... I'll go team based too. My obsession currently is the LA Kings. Mm. I they're hot. They are smoking hot. Do you think they have like a seventeen goal differential in their last eight games? They're I, listen. I, my life is better when the Kings are good. Yeah. Not only because I know it means that we might be able to take a trip to LA at some point. They have playoffs. a sweet Sunday bar in the press box, right? But like desserts for guys. I just like them. I I miss the. I think one of the big misses as far as like the NHL and storylines and everything was the dueling dynasties of the Blackhawks and the mm-hmm. Kings. And the Kings fell apart, unfortunately, and now the Blackhawks look like they And it's like diminished. one last hurrah with the big contracts. Oh, but God, I mean, it's a, as a wrestling fan, it's like, the t- it's like the two big champions meeting in the, ma- in, in the main event at WrestleMania. Like, if you could have had some kind of a Western Conference final where, like, a fourth cup was on the line between these two franchises, like, that's a money match. And we never got it. Mm. Until now. Until now. All right. There you go. Anything you want to add? No, I'm just really excited that we got this launched, and I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, long time coming. Yeah. So many people, so, so much behind the scenes. Scenesing. To get done here. Yeah. Name changes. Name changes. We'll leave it at Music. that. But I love ESPN on Ice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to ESPN on Ice. I'm Greg Wyshynski. She's Emily Kaplan. We'll be back next Tuesday for more fun and merriment. Please read us at ESPN.com. See ya. This has been ESPN on Ice with Greg Wyshynski. Download and subscribe to the show in the ESPN app and in Apple Podcasts.